This is Bad Movies We Love, part of the Scheiss Podcast Network. Hello once again, everybody. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but I am a little bit under the weather. But... We are still motoring right along. It is season two, episode five, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let's go with it. And I was joined by another friend from the Scheiss International Film Club to talk about a movie that neither of us probably should have been watching when we were kids, but it was technically PG-13. And our parents probably didn't know better going into it. So they're going to get a pass on that one. And obviously, this movie still holds a place in both of our hearts. And it was a lot of fun to talk about Ralph Bakshi's 1992 cartoon real-life blend, Cool World. You would feel like a cool person <laughs> if you throw this one. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm in cartoon world now, even though I didn't know this existed like 10 seconds ago. He's like screaming and crying because his mom just died. Hey, you killed your wife. And then we're never going to talk about that again. Everybody loves him in the prison. Like, everybody's, like, patting him on the back, and they're like, yeah! I guess because he's drawing titties all the time. Like, <laughs> I guess if, like, the humans are horny enough for the cartoon characters, there will be enough cosmic energy to pull them into Cool World. He barely has any bone structure anymore. Why is the spider guy eating his desk? I mean, if he was a termite, it makes sense, but he's a spider. Look at Holly getting after it. Like, she's doing her thing. Welcome. Thank you for making time in your schedule to hang out and talk about your choice for bad movies we love. How are you today? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited too. It had been a long time since I had seen this movie. Probably close to 20 years. I mean, I was... Wow. Yeah, I was, what, eight when this movie came out? So it was a little bit like racy for an eight-year-old to be watching cartoons, but not really outside the realm of things that I watched that were most likely inappropriate when I was a kid Mm. anyway. So I think it probably just like slipped through the cracks as something that was like, hey, this is a weird cartoon. It's fine. (laughs) Don't analyze it too closely. But then in watching it last night and a little bit this morning, uh, it's a very, very horny cartoon movie. So why don't you tell me what it was about this movie that made you want to talk about it for bad movies we love? Uh, I just love this movie. I 
I watched it as a little kid and I don't know why we had that movie. We just it's just one of those like VHSs that we just had and I would watch it all the time. I don't even think anybody else liked it. It was just a very me thing. And as I grew up, I found out like it's a bad movie. <laughs> like, like it's not very well received nope. and it's a bomb. And I'm and I'm like, huh? It's, it's that's how I met Brad Pitt like through Cool World and I'm like Brad Pitt's like a big star it's, it's not like a big movie so finding out that it's a bad movie really shocked me and now watching it again I can see how it is a bad movie as a kid it's just like oh this is fun it's like cartoons and like you know guns and crime and stuff it's like this is a fun time but watching it now, I'm like, yeah, this is barely a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very but, disjointed. Yes. Yes. It's it's very cut up and makes no sense and characters all, all over the place, but it's still such a vibe. Like I think I love it the most because it's purely vibes and it's like a movie that you can throw on in the background and just like have you can have a cool time in the cool world. Like you you will feel like a cool person <laughs> if you throw this on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it, you know, as probably like an eight or nine year old at the time and thinking like Brad Pitt was super cool in this yeah. movie. Like I was like, oh, his suit is awesome. Like he's got that nice like double breasted three button yeah. suit suit. It's post World War Two, I think, at that yes. point. Mm -hmm. And he's just getting home from the war and he gets mm -hmm. this cool motorcycle to ride on. And so like they really want us to like Brad Pitt's character and he is the hero of the story but I think when I was younger I just felt that Gabriel Byrne's character Jack who's the artist was right. supposed to be the protagonist but in mm -hmm. watching it I'm like no he's the bad guy too for the most part <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. up until like the very end and it's, it's crazy too because I had read that like Brad Pitt's character is like they made that up. I mean, the whole movie, you know, got taken from Ralph Bashke. So it, all of this is none of none of what's in the movie is really what he wanted. But like Brad Pitt's character just got added so that Brad Pitt could be in the movie. And originally it was just going to be uh, Gabriel and Kim's characters. So I don't like Brad Pitt's character being the main character doesn't it doesn't really feel like that either he does feel like he's like added in but neither does gabriel so <laughs> it's really just like a hodgepodge yeah creatively like <laughs> yeah it seems like the studio is like no we have to have like some sort of conventional hero archetype in the story because exactly. otherwise you get jack who we meet in prison and then they're just <laughs> yeah. like um hey you killed your wife and then we're never going to talk about that again so he's in prison for murdering his wife his wife yeah Meanwhile, he's drawing horny cartoons of cool world and then he shows up at a comic book shop and they're like oh my god you're the guy that drew this comic you're so awesome and then there's <laughs> yeah. just that one dude who's like well yeah i bet your your wife and her ex-lover didn't feel that way yeah that part is so funny it's also so funny when he leaves prison and uh it's just so weird because 
everybody loves him in the prison. Yeah. Like everybody's like patting him on the back and they're like, yeah, <laughs> like Jack, we love you, Jack. And it's like, why? He's like a dweeb. Like he's like a, he's just a little cartoon guy. Like in what prison would that guy be like the coolest dude? I guess because he's drawing titties all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> if, if you fill in the blanks, like with your adult yeah. mind, it's like, oh, so yeah. he was like drawing erotic fiction for all the other for guys the, yeah, in prison. Yeah. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But it starts <laughs> off with him being like very, very horny for this character that he's drawing Mm -hmm. and then i don't even know how he first ends up accidentally falling into cool world it just it just happens one day i mean we Mm -hmm. see with brad pitt that they use the the item the spike of power to rip a Mm -hmm. hole in like the space-time continuum and then he gets sucked through at that point right after watching his mom die then he gets trapped in cool world for 50 years while we don't really get to interact with him there and then in the future i guess jack is more of a conduit to this universe than he is the creative behind it which he thinks he is which a lot of people think he is but it's kind of rude awakening for him to end up in cool world and realize that all this stuff exists and he just kind of puts pen to paper on some of those ideas yeah yeah like holly mentions like when uh brad pitt's character who i can't oh frank i think that's his name like he's like um he's like how did he get here and holly's like it was just a mind slip and and then they don't explain what that is she's just like it was a mind slip and i'm as i'm watching it i'm like yeah i just accept that i don't know what that is but cool i guess you can slip through your mind into the cool world but that's all the explanation that you really get i guess if like the humans are horny enough for the cartoon characters (laughs) there will be enough cosmic energy to pull them into cool world and we learn through brad pitt's character and talking to holly that the only rule that exists in cool world is that noids humans and doodles cartoons can't have sex with each other that's the one rule so obviously there's a lot of sexual tension that exists in cool world and in between the real world and cool world and then we kind of find out along the way that jack is not the first guy to imagine his way into that right that there's been other people that have been coming over the course of the 50 years that frank has been there serving as a cop but they don't really give any context to that there's this allusion to a character called Vegas Vinny. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. I guess was a cartoon that turned into a person that then went to the real world and started a casino, casino. franchise yeah. or something like yeah. that. And he's got the power spike. But mm-hmm. I don't think we ever meet Vegas Vinny. No, I that's that's a yeah, I don't know, because I the little professor guy. I thought maybe he was Vegas Vinny or like that's or or maybe that's just a lie that he told to explain why he's over there. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But, you know, it's fine. Vegas Vinny is like the cool world Santa Claus. But yeah, pretty much. The professor is there at the end and he's dressed in like a trench coat and he's hiding out. So he's obviously been following the events of what's transpired after he's Mm -hmm. pulled Brad Pitt all the way into cool world to begin with right but like structurally if you look at the story about this guy who like thinks he's a creative has a dark past and then 
through indulging his fantasies, he learns that maybe he was wrong in his approach to life and then like has a hero arc on the way out. It makes more sense given his relationship to Holly and that being the primary story versus we need to tell this as kind of like a detective noir story. Brad Pitt Mm -hmm. is the PI who's got, you know, the love interest on the side and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's from 1945. So he's very much of that era of storytelling as well. So it all Mm -hmm. seems very intentful to try and shape the idea of what the story is. But there's so many scenes where here's like the linear story that we're telling you. Here's like where we're at in that story. And then just like in the foreground or in the background, there's just like crazy cartoon stuff happening for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's my favorite part. I'm that like, I could care less. And even as a kid, I I guess that's what I focused on. I could care less about what actually is happening, but I love watching the cartoons, like do the most absurd things to themselves, like hitting each other in the head and like, it's just, just the dumbest things that you can imagine and it's so distracting like and sometimes the cartoons like aren't even finished like they don't match the world or they'll like blink in and out and it's just like, it's 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 really remarkable and it seems like they slammed a lot of stuff together because yeah two characters will be having a conversation it's like she's trying to seduce brad he's giving us some details to like the rules of the world and like why Mm -hmm. certain things have happened and then like Mm -hmm. in the foreground there's just all kinds of crazy shit going on and it's like are all these things like happening inside of her apartment or right was it like the animators and the creatives trying to kind of balance out this like the sexual tone of the story with some of this like slapstick cartoon stuff that you would see in like most normal cartoons of like crazy violent things happening or they're building at one point like a ladder out of very <laughs> yeah, wobbly furniture but the purpose yeah. is so that they can go watch Jack and Holly have sex for right. some reason because Holly wants them to watch yeah she invited them yeah because yeah. this is a historic moment <laughs> you know you, you want the people in the town to know <laughs> I guess so but then it's like then they told us that there's this rule that is in place. There's this other character that has become a human. So obviously, mm-hmm. like Holly's not the first doodle to do it to have yeah. sex with Annoyed, but That's true. or else the law wouldn't exist. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. but Holly That's definitely true. would if she could, and she does. That's my girl. Yes, indeed. All right, I'm gonna grab the trailer here because I don't remember how this was marketed, but it's PG-13. But it's yes, I mean it's borderline in our movie. It's just yeah. Had they had shown like a cartoon nipple, it would have been R. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah, mm-hmm. you're definitely getting into that realm. But they just they imply all of that. But there is a lot of sex in this movie for something that's meant to be for, you know, maybe 13 year olds. Yes. Yeah. So let's I've never a... seen a trailer. I've never seen a trailer either. So oh, all right. Good. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's see. We have that. We're going to share sound. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but now, a word from our sponsor. Back in the old day, dinner and a movie was a common night out. But move over, Grandpa, because that's a thing of the past. 
In today's modern world, we all have busy lives, and when you're running late for your movie and you need something that'll fill your cravings for dinner, but also satisfy that sweet tooth, grab a pack of Whopper Poppers. Each tasty little morsel starts with bite-sized miniature flame-broiled burgers topped with lettuce, tomato, onion on a sesame seed bun and dripping with an irresponsible amount of mayonnaise. Then if that wasn't already disgusting enough, each bite-sized mini Whopper is coated with a generous layer of chalky malted chocolate to seal in all that juicy goodness. There's a whole new answer to the question, what's poppin'? So get whoppin' and get poppin' today because it's the best of both worlds. It's dinner and dessert. It's Whopper Poppers. Okay, can you see this? Yes, I can. It's not the right window. That's the right one. Okay. During his 10 years in prison, for murdering his wife. It made him very successful. The Jack Thieves, the creator of Cool World, right? I can't believe this. Now he thinks he's going home to the real world. But he's wrong. Real wrong. Welcome to my world. You're not in Kansas anymore. Freeze. Cool World Police. That limo got some thick booty cheeks on it. Thick, thick. Everybody's thick in this world. See, the oldest law. Right. Yeah, that car's butt cheeks got stuck. <laughs> I like how this is real seductive and it's PG-13. Why is the spider guy eating his desk <laughs> for some reason? Oh, I love that part. I mean, if he was a termite, it makes sense, but he's a spider. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not a good trailer. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't really it's tell not. you what it's about. It's like, hey, there's a crazy cartoon universe out there, and we've got pretty good star power in place to make yeah. you want to watch it. But aside from like Holly being a little seductive in the trailer, you don't really know like what the story is, what the purpose is, who Brad Pitt is in relationship to the other no. two. They they tell you yeah. like Jack is the guy who drew Holly. And then that's kind of just it. Like, that's it. Good yeah. luck figuring this part out. Yeah. And it makes it it makes Brad Pitt's part look really small. Like it like we're put like we're supposed to be following the Jack character a lot more. But you really in the movie, Jack is doesn't really do anything or say anything. He's just like a pawn that Holly uses. So like Frank is a bigger character than him. 
to yeah. me. Yeah, Frank is like essential to what's happening in yeah. Cool World. And Holly, yeah. she makes it very clear to him and they make it clear to the audience that her objective is to find a way out. Right. Know? And yeah. she's going to do kind of whatever it takes to get her way out of this world. And she obviously believes that that's taking advantage of Jack or whoever is at her right. disposal. And I I thought when I watched it as a kid that Brad Pitt had died in the motorcycle accident. And that's oh, okay. how he ended up that's in the world. But oh. that's not the story at all. He just crashes no. <laughs> and he sees his mom die. And yeah. then the professor is messing around with the power spike. Mm-hmm. And he just like tears a hole into that part of the real world at that particular time. And yeah. they don't even really show Brad Pitt go from point A to point B and like wake up in cool world. Well, actually they do, but yeah, he, but he disappears and yeah. then he just like wakes up and he's getting interrogated and like, he's not really freaking out about it. Not at all. But it's so fun. Cause like when he gets teleported to the cool world, He's like screaming and crying because his mom just died. Mm-hmm. And then and then when he pops up in the cool world, he's in like a dark room with the light on him and sitting on a stool. And he's just cool as a like as a cucumber. Like he's just sitting there like like the coolest guy, like the, like a cool detective. And just it's like his mother didn't just die. He's like and he's like right. He like adapts way too quickly. Like Very much it doesn't so. make any sense. <laughs> I was like, does he think he's dead dead right because if it were me like you just feel like you're in hell you're hallucinating there's all these cartoons (laughs) around and like they're actually able to physically touch you and you know disturb your physical person so he seems to just be like all right well i guess i'm in cartoon world now even though i didn't know this existed like 10 seconds ago (laughs) i'm fully on board because they gave me a big meaty role and i need to be ready yeah i'm gonna be the only cop in cool world yeah but i started thinking at the beginning too i was like was this it's probably not but it's one of the first instances i can remember of a movie that began to tackle an idea like the multiverse because Mm. it's like this is a cartoon universe that exists kind of parallel to the real world yeah and Mm -hmm. There is some fabric between them that keeps them separate, but some people have gone back and forth between the two. And there's obviously like an artifact thing that is important to the structure of both of them. And the whole thing is that like Holly is so hell bent on getting what she wants that she's going to destroy the world in the process because she has no regard for anybody around her. Right. Yeah, that's right. And even like they can get a hold of stuff from the real world because like Holly's watching uh, a movie with Marilyn Monroe in it and she's like, it's real. It's even got like a copyright on it. And I'm like, how did she know what any of that is? But I guess somebody I guess somebody got it for her or it slipped through or I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's her first rodeo because when you first uh -uh. meet her, she's like immediately horny right away. (laughs) And she's like, this guy can get me out of here. So she, it seems like she's been maybe manipulated or been in some relationships with some other humanoids that have made the trip. And I couldn't remember. I was like, what are they calling them? Noids? And I was like, are they, did he say Nords? 
And then I was like, okay, so it must be like humanoids. But yeah. then I think a big reason this movie even came to be at all was the success of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was four years before this. And, you know, right. Jessica Rabbit is a sultry character and there's a romantic mm-hmm. relationship between her and Roger. And it's not quite on this level, but it does handle some adult themes. It is set with uh, Bob Hoskins character, who is the uh, the detective role in Who Framed right. Roger Rabbit. So I think they just wanted to borrow the successful structure of that movie a little bit and right. bring it over to Cool World and hope that it would be able to carry a similar tone. But then you can obviously see that the creatives for this like thought this was an R-rated idea. Obviously, yeah. And then they're like, look, we're not going to be able to sell a movie that's half cartoon, half real life to adults at this point. Mm-hmm. so right. let's do what we can with the roger rabbit angle <laughs> right and it's so it's so funny because i saw cool world before i saw roger rabbit so when i saw roger rabbit i was like oh so they're doing like cool world like, this is like their version of cool world but i didn't understand that roger rabbit came first and i and as i was watching roger rabbit, i was like wow this is so much better <laughs> like they really imp- improved like on the technology i was like the technology got better but roger rabbit came first so that is sad <laughs> sad for cool world <laughs> but i i still was like oh they tamed it they like made it more like silly for the kids for roger rabbit but cool world is actually came after so they made it more raunchy okay yeah in roger rabbit it's toontown is that Toontown. right? Yes. And, and so they're tunes. Yeah. They're tunes. And so mm-hmm. they can't, obviously, Cool World cannot use the word tunes. No. So they say they, doodle. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> we need our own lingo. So there's going to be doodles and there's going to be noise. So it's like they noise. had to start from scratch, even though a similar movie existed that they wanted to obviously emulate. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they're, they're a few years down the line and they went big on the cast, but they couldn't quite reel in the tone and they had also where is this guy paul ben victor who plays a lot of like kind of italian mafia type characters currently but he's the valet kind of at the end when holly drives up oh yeah the hotel (laughs) and i'm like oh my god i was like he had a small role in this all the way back then Mm -hmm. so it's interesting just to see like how much star power is in this because that obviously is going to take significant amount of budget to accomplish brad pitt is like beginning his rise basically to superstardom right yeah yeah i think this is like his third movie or like really early on in his career like he wasn't big yet but like everybody was like that's the guy from selma louise like he was still that dude and then like and i think ralph at first wanted it to be brad pitt and Drew Barrymore hmm. as like the two main characters, but then the studio was like, they're not big enough stars. Like we need we need somebody else. So that's why they got Kim and Gabriel. And then they were just like, but Ralph is like, I still want Brad Pitt. So they're like, okay, <laughs> let's make Frank. And so that's I guess that's how he got in the movie or got to stay in the movie. Well, this is a movie that cost thirty million dollars yeah. to make <laughs> in nineteen ninety two. That's a ton of money for a movie of that era. And it only grossed about half of that back. 
and that hurt yeah that hurt. and i mean and now that it's on paramount i didn't even have to like pay to rent it yeah either. so i mean pay for the paramount subscription but they didn't get like my direct 2.99 or whatever it is <laughs> to rent the movie yeah yeah i just what? don't i mean i get why nobody went to see it i guess but even like word of mouth, I guess everybody would be like, no, that movie sucks. <laughs> even if they did go see it, it was like, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. But I like the music in this is so good to me. Like I, I could see like rave type folks wanting to like watch it, you know, at least just to hear the the fat beats, you know. <laughs> the the intro music when the, the film first starts, I'm listening to it. I was like, it sounds uh. like Madonna meets Jock Jams. And I don't know if you know what Jock Jams is. No, I don't know. <laughs> but this was like a collection of songs that were sold as like a compilation CD of like okay. music that was played in sports arenas. And oh, so okay. like that gotcha. song that's um in Joker where he's dancing on the staircase. That's right. one of the songs that was like super famous oh. in hockey arenas. So even probably 10, 15 years after that song had lost popularity, like you go to a hockey game, you're still going to hear that song. So <laughs> I was like, this is okay. a very particular vibe that wants kind of like Madonna's sex appeal of the early 90s plus adolescent males yeah. to be watching this. Because like I think 13 is probably too young. Like if you were 13 at the time this came out, you know, you're probably not going to see it. So. It's no. probably for people between like 14 and 18, realistically, yeah. mm -hmm. kids that are getting into the older years of high school or young adults that have just left high school. Right. And watching this yeah. as an adult was a very, very strange experience. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I know that like Frank is very much like the cop and he feels some sense of obligation for some reason. But it's like, bro, you've been in cool world for 50 years and Holly's always on you and <laughs> there you haven't done anything with Holly but you haven't done anything with uh Lornette Lonette, yeah Lonette, mm -hmm. yeah his other girlfriend as well so he seems to be very invested in the one rule of cool world the oldest rule in cool world yeah like really invested like I can't I don't know how long him and Lynette have been like a thing, but they're always they're always this close to like doing it. And like she'll be like, let's pretend. And he's like, no, that's going to mess me up. <laughs> it's just like the ultimate blue balls. Like, I don't know how how he's making it through uh, Cool World for this long with her, with both <laughs> of them throwing themselves at him all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, What's the worst that was going to happen with Lonette? She was going to turn into a real person and they were going to live in Cool World together, which is kind of what happened. Like, Holly's the yeah. crazy one who wants to leave and just, like, take all the power for herself. It's never really... Exactly. It wasn't about just, oh, you become a person and then your life is over as a tune. Like, Frank was no. living there for 50 years and had no desire <laughs> yeah. to go back to the real world. To go world. back. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the rule doesn't make any sense. Unless you do what Holly does, it's just you'll become a person and then you know, that that's okay. And I guess you can die, but yeah. That's about it. Like what's so bad about that? I guess it throws off the balance. I mean, Frank didn't age at all though. At all. He's there I know. for 50 years and he was the same <laughs> age, so it's like he's immortal at that point. He gets to stay like mid-20s Brad Pitt 
forever. Mm, so I don't really excellent. see the downside to like his relationship <laughs> with his girlfriend at that point. But right. I mean, he does eventually become a doodle at the doodle. end so he can live in doodle peace for the <laughs> for the remainder of his days. Yeah. Um, but having the benefit of hindsight in watching like Holly's character, I'm curious if this is something that Alex Garland watched when he was younger before mm. getting into Ex Machina because Alicia Vikander's character is very much like Holly. See, she seduces the guy that she has access to, not mm. her creator, but the guy very close to her creator. Mm -hmm. And it's all about her wanting to get out of the current system that she's in and using all of the different tools at her disposal to take advantage of that. And so Holly, very similarly, seduces Jack. She makes him think like it's this great thing. She sleeps with him. Then it's like, okay, time to go to the real world because like that's what we're going to do now. I'm a real person. And as soon as she gets there, she's like, no, I'm I got no breaks on this thing. We're going we're going <laughs> yeah. full speed. Yeah. And, you know, he thinks it's a good idea to take her out uh, drinking on the first night. So he says something mm -hmm. to her like uh, there's like 95 different things on the menu. Which one do you want? She's like, oh, I want it all. Oh, yeah. And then within two seconds. He's like, whoa, you can't do that. And she's like, I'm done with you. And she goes up to yeah. the guy at the piano and she's like, I want to make love to you. And then yeah. they throw Gabriel Byrne out of the bar. And yeah. <laughs> that part is so crazy because it's like, that makes sense in cool world, in a world of doodles that like that there are no rules but in the real world a club can't just take your girlfriend like they can't just be like oh she's with us now buddy get out of here and throw <laughs> you out that's like abduction or something like that's <laughs> that's human trafficking or something like that's not right yeah so i'm thinking like is this the mafia like i mean yeah, it's, it's exactly. vegas but mm -hmm. they do imply that like nah she's just ours now yeah and get out of here that like there's not even any question just not at all no she's she's up there she wants to sleep with the the piano player or whatever that's that's fine like get your ass yeah. out of here and then and everybody he, laughs at him and like and it's totally like in on it they're like yeah get him out of here <laughs> yeah they're like don't stop the lady she wants to do what she wants to do <laughs> yeah yeah and that's when well. he starts like glitching out and he's got right cartoon mm -hmm. hands and he accidentally right. touches the guy's face and like it doesn't really get explained i don't think why they're glitching out. I mean, at first I was thinking, oh, when Holly had sex with him, she mm -hmm. like took some piece of his humanity as a person in the real world that allowed her to become real. And right. then as they spend more time together, some of that life force is maybe depleting from yeah. Jack at that point. But I mean, Holly's going through it too. She starts turning into like a weird clown version of herself. Oh, which, yeah. Again, not explained. It's like, yep. It's, like, had we started with her uh, in Cool World and like that's what she looks like without makeup. And then she's trying or to something. like, yeah. yeah, she has to like dress herself up to get into the character of Holly. Like, that makes sense. But it's just like, no, she turns into like a clown basically. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she can't control herself. She's bumping into everything. And Jack out on the street is having a similar experience. And I think, yeah. she, I think she gets kicked out at that point too. And mm -hmm. that's, that's when they 
hash up the plan to like, okay, we need to go get the spike from the top of the tower. The hill us, yeah. He's talking about this Vegas Vinny guy that we don't know if it's real or not. And I don't know. It, it really like spirals out of control very quickly. Yeah. It seems like they paced it very well, at least through like the first hour. Like yeah. there's some crazy stuff going on, but it's like, okay, we get this character introduction, this character introduction, we meet Holly, right. we understand the world. And then as soon as she crosses over, it's like all hell breaks loose before all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I feel like, like watching it now, once they get to the real world, it really falls apart. Like even more so once once that stuff starts happening, because it's like all rules are thrown out the window. There's no like plot, really. There's no nothing really makes sense. It's like they keep throwing things at you like this is a new thing that can happen and this this can happen, too. And now this is happening and now this character is changing. Now he has a change of heart. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> it's like they tried to speed run like uh, a final act. <laughs> yeah. When Holly first appears back in the real world with him. Like his neighbors just come over from across the street, mm-hmm. no less. And they're like, Yeah, we just oh want to check God. on you. And yeah. it's these two younger women who they own this house in Vegas. Like, so hey, good on them for being homeowners in their like early 20s. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but A, their concern for him seems very strange since I don't think we meet them at any point earlier in the movie to establish that, like, hey, these are my neighbors, I care about them, etc. He's been in jail for 10 years. So those ladies were like in grade school when he went to jail. So the idea that like that would be the case anyway is very strange. And they don't seem to have any, you know, knowledge of the fact that he went to jail for murdering his wife, even though they live across the street. No, it is. It's so weird when I'm trying to remember because. When they first introduced the neighbor, like he comes to his house, uh, Jack comes to his house and she's across the street and like a bunch of kids are like in her yard and like they have like a moment where they look at each other. Like, I don't know if they were trying to like say that there's like a romance or like something budding between them because it's just that whole, the whole neighbor thing is handled so weirdly. Like I just couldn't get the tone like, are they going to get together? Do, why do they care? Do they know each other from before? Like, what? what is the, the intense interest here? Because, like, she helps them um, and just accepts all this cartoon stuff. Like, doesn't really seem freaked out by anything at all. She's, like, ready to help Jack get his life together. Yeah, she does say that, like, we can take my mom's car. Right. So that's, yeah. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, like, she lives across the street with her mom. But they... yeah. Like they walk in on him and Holly, and I think That's it's like right. they, it's like they wanted the gag of Holly being like, "I'm real, I'm real." Like they <laughs> yeah, wanted like right. that element of the story in there for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like they wrote their way to get to that, it. yeah. And then yeah, that young girl who's just like, "Okay, well, like I don't know why I'm helping you or why yeah. my mom wouldn't be concerned that I'm trying to hang out with my neighbor who just got out of jail." Yeah, who's that? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they go, and she all of a sudden becomes like a key part of that last act. Extremely of, important. Yeah, yeah. They they need her mm-hmm. car. She ends up uh putting like the weird doctor professor guy 
back together after he explodes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then Gabriel, like he didn't really have to stay there. He probably should have gone with Frank or Jack. Yeah. Jack should have gone with Frank up to stop Holly, but mm -hmm. he doesn't because he needs to stay there and help the professor, which he doesn't. And it just seems like they cut to the scene where this young lady has now put the professor back together. I mean, he didn't die in the first place. It would have been more interesting to just like carry him around in a bag and pieces and like and have a bunch him of talking. Pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun. And then Holly is in the hotel. She's scaling the side of the hotel at this point <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she got thrown out for not having any money trying to be in the casino. <laughs> yeah. So she's scaling the side of the hotel uh, after she explodes the professor and Frank gives chase. And I remember that scene and like just I was almost like traumatized by it again because oh, it, wow. like, it brought me back to that point where I was a kid watching it mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to hurt her he just wants to take her back and she's like very standoffish she's aggressive mm -hmm. and then she's she stops her a second and she's like no like okay I'm ready to surrender like help me and right. then you know Frank's like okay fine puts his gun away and he's like climbing up there to help her like a moron but <laughs> still trying to do the right thing yeah. And then when he finally gets close to her, you know, that weird clown cartoon part of her starts uh, popping yeah. out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was meant to show us that, like, it's not really Holly or if that's like the darkest side of her is that she's not really this pretty, sexy, seductress mm. of a cartoon that she's just like this kind of like angry clown character that oh, wow. wants to get out of her life. And so she shoves Brad Pitt. Frank goes falling to his death. Yeah. Uh, or so it would seem. Yeah. But, th but then conveniently, <laughs> there's there's a rule. There's a new they, rule. There's a new rule that they didn't tell us about. The oldest yeah. rule was that you don't have sex with noids if you're a doodle and vice versa. Yeah. But I guess rule number two was if you get killed by a doodle and you're annoyed, then you become a doodle. Yeah, yay. <laughs> convenient, happy ending Very convenient. For, uh, yes. for Brad Pitt. So he yeah. gets to finally wake up as a cartoon once he gets back to Cool World. And he gets to go about the rest of his cartoon life with Lynette. He gets his nice, I mean, they drew him pretty well. He's got kind of like a weird face. but He looks weird. I think they did a disservice to Brad because Brad is gorgeous, first of all. And if you're going to draw <laughs> Brad, <laughs> if you're going to draw him, draw how gorgeous he is. Why would you make his eyes like little beady black eyes and like he barely has any bone structure anymore? Like Holly and Lynette, they're like gorgeous. Why did we make Brad look like a donkey dude? Like, I don't. I don't appreciate that. That's the like biggest downside for the movie when they finally revealed Doodle Brad Pitt and he's not hot. I was like, what's the point of this? Yeah, they did smash what's his face point? up a little bit there. Yeah. He's got like puffy under eye bags. Yeah, yeah, no, that was not that was not good. I was happy that he like little kid Cosmo when I saw it and when when he gets pushed off and like literally dies. I was, I cried, like I was bawling, tears running down my eyes. And then when Lynette is like, wait guys, you know, 
if he gets killed by a doodle, he becomes a doodle. And I was like cheering and I was like, yeah. And then he looks like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> not good. At least he gets to live happily ever after. And I mean, by the sta- by the standards of the other men that we see in Cool World, mm-hmm. Brad's cartoon is still fairly good looking. Yeah, no, it's still the, better. What was the other guy's name? Like Ace. He's got like a weird like pencil neck. Yeah, he's his, his partner is a spider. So yeah, I mean, at least he got to look like a person. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And they got they let him keep his fancy suit as well. Suit, so. Yeah, that's the best part. His suit is really nice. They knew they couldn't mess that up. It, and I'm he still finally just said, "Yeah, absolutely. I love a double-breasted suit." Somebody just told me that like those are out, and I'm like, "Never. Those are never out." Like they're com- they're coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just you I gotta you gotta be in the right kind of shape to wear like a double-breasted suit because that thing's got to be like tight around the midsection. Yeah. You can't have like a gut like <laughs> I do and wear it. <laughs> They tell us that like you want to button the top button and so that the bottom side just like flares out, out and gives you yeah. more of like an hourglass shape. And I'm just like, yeah, well, that's because I got a gut that I got to deal with. So <laughs> if you're Brad Pitt, you can pull off a big oversized double breasted suit. Or if you're like um, Bill Skarsgård in John Wick 4, he's got a, John very, Wick, like, yeah. got a very, it's very nice, nice outfit. His tailor worked mm-hmm. very hard. I was like, yeah, they must have put him in a corset for those things. It's like you can't move, Bill. Yeah, no, he looks like tailored perfectly, like stiff. Like he's like a cutout in that movie. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. their costumer gets the credit they deserve. Uh, I hope so movie. too. They better not ignore that movie. There's too much like craft in that movie to be ignored just because yeah. of the action flick, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not going to get nominated for Best Picture. But... <laughs> well, yeah, no. <laughs> Top Gun did, but yeah, that's, that's true. That's Tom Cruise's power, but <laughs> it is the power of Tom Cruise. It's like he saved the movies. We got to give him credit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. anyway, enough enough uh, suits in movies talk. We can do that on <laughs> another episode. But yeah. um, there's a scene also where, well, first of all, there's a lot of scenes that use some pretty cool like painted backdrops to to create some forced perspective because a good percentage of this movie takes place in cool world cool world yeah roger rabbit the majority of the movie takes place in the real world Mm -hmm. so you had to find a way to get the actors on stage to act to actually have a point of interaction Mm -hmm. and one of the first times we meet brad i think he's going up to talk to Holly or it's the first time we meet Holly and she's upstairs in her penthouse or whatever. And so he knocks on this big door, like it slides open. And then when you see in the background, like they've created this kind of um, vanishing point hallway. Mm -hmm. So you look in there and it looks like he's going to walk down the hallway. And then of course they don't really have a hallway there. So they just kind of (laughs) slide the door and he moves to the side. But yeah, they did a lot of really interesting stuff like that when they're walking around, especially like at ground level in cool world, mm-hmm. because they had to build these sets, but they didn't build them from like traditional facades. They built them all right. with forced perspective drawings and paintings, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's a throwback to the kind of filmmaking that Hollywood did a lot of in its early existence in the forties. So yeah, kind of yeah. cool to and- see that that technique still found its way 
1992 because I mean yeah. the movie like you said you, it's pretty easy to watch this and be like pick out all the things that make it a bad movie with the benefit right. of hindsight but to see some of the creativity and the craftsmanship that went into the sets like you see where that 30 million dollars went absolutely yeah it's it's really gorgeous like it reminds me of metropolis like with the the way the city looks and like i think originally like ralph's original story was a horror movie it was a horror animated live action thing and you can see that in like the city and like the way like when the doorknob like turns into a face or like when when that guy throws those wooden nickels and they like turn into like these monsters like Mm -hmm. that those parts really look incredible and also scared me to death but i i love that aspect of it like the craft of it i mean it's ralph bashley like he knows he knows how to do that stuff (laughs) like he's a master so it's gonna look good yeah the wooden nickels were something that gave me another like trauma flashback yeah from childhood where i was like oh man those things were so terrifying these kids are like oh yeah we got some wooden nickels they all got little mouths on them and it starts biting them and yeah and they turn like they got red eyes oh i hate that part (laughs) yeah it's like something you would have seen yeah it's something you would have seen out of like evil dead right yeah exactly these tiny little things that seem harmless that end up being very vicious and tough to deal with because they're so small. So yeah, yeah I, I didn't like seeing that again, but I appreciated <laughs> that it scared the childhood version of myself quite a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. And, when, yeah. and in talking about like the technical achievement of this, there's a lot of kind of like paint on film scenes, like where yeah. there's the actor underneath actually there. And then they, mm-hmm do the cell animation on top of it. So mm-hmm. the scene where it's probably most prominent is after Holly and Jack have yeah. had sex. But in that scene too, she's like taking off his clothes and like, they're not doing that with like string work. They actually have her there. And so it's all her hands, but then it's all drawn over the top of. Right. Yeah. And then after that moment happens and she has her big explosive orgasm that, <laughs> that blows the peeping toms off of the balcony down to the ground level she starts to like slowly transform into real Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of like quick edits that kind of give like a glitching quality to it and you can see the reverse crossover effect of hey this is a cartoon and then we're going to start slowly delayering that until Kim Basinger pops out of it and then they use that same technique again kind of with Brad which he's like dead on the steps there at the end and Mm -hmm. then the cartoon just kind of like comes to life over the top of him so very like subtle good animation techniques to actually like punch up those moments and I thought like this is actually some really good stuff and I was surprised that they didn't maybe take enough advantage of that because like we we talked about earlier when there's just so much of this like cartoon stuff happening in the background to make it like hey just remember this is a cartoon like this isn't really (laughs) this like pervy rated r like uh yeah sex crime comedy uh they i think they buried the lead with like how effectively they could have used the animation in some ways because 
they're in that scene where Holly is becoming real for the first time. She's experiencing it, but Jack is there with her. And like, he's not even part of that at all. Like he's not watching <laughs> it happen. He's not paying attention. No. Like he would be freaking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would yeah. have been a good scene to include in the movie was his reaction to that. But instead they cut away I don't remember exactly what happens, but then when they come back, she's looking in the mirror and Jack is there like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? Like, mm-hmm. look, look yeah. what happened. Like, I'm real now. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, they, I think they recognize that it's important to have Jack's view of Holly change. But yeah, I think it would have been good to have him be there to experience that in the moment that it's happening because that's what he really wanted too. like, he went into this cartoon universe and even though she tells him, Hey, like, you know, this is the rule. We're not supposed to have sex, but she's like, you're not going to listen to the rules. Are you? And he's like, are you? Yeah. But it's like, he seemed apprehensive there at first. He was like, no, uh, Frank told us that we can't do this. And she basically Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, you don't follow the rules. I'm just, you know, I'm going to take off your clothes now and we're doing it. And So it seems like he would have been way too invested to just be like, oh, you know, she's transforming into a real person. I'm going to continue to just like take a nap until, you know, she's done. (laughs) Then I'll get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like with Jack's character, he just seems like the most underdeveloped. Like for me, like this is Holly's movie. Like maybe because just I'm a girl and I'm just like I'm with whatever she's with. But like she's like the main character and then jack is just like a guy that gets used like he like he he has this world because it's what he like what all the things that he wants and that he likes but even when he's in the world he's not respected in any way and then when he's outside when he's in the real world everybody loves him but he doesn't really have much going on like all he cares about is drawing holly and then and then later on, he becomes like a hero. But it's like, I feel like he doesn't, I don't really know him at all. I mean, also, he killed his wife. Like, like he's just like such a weird, like, undercooked guy to me. Yeah, they don't give us enough to, like, no. warrant, warrant his redemption arc. Yeah, at all. They They let him tell us, like, oh, this is my chance to be a hero. And then he, like, puts on his cartoon yeah. hands and then yeah. stretch Armstrongs himself up the side of the building and then he turns into like a superhero as the cartoon hell starts like spilling all over downtown vegas but he's still not exactly a hero he almost gets seduced again again yeah and he ends up with holly like they still stay together and because he he wants holly he loves he wants holly that's all he cares about yeah yeah Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm So I wanted to ask you as well, you had mentioned that because you're a lady, that you (laughs) associate this as being like Holly's story. And I don't disagree with you, but I'm curious in that I watched like the framing of the story and so much of what the story is telling the audience is that her sexual appetite is dangerous to the existence of the universe. So like, I'm curious from your perspective, do you see this as something where she is the villain because of her sexual appetite or because she's just this unrestrained 
cartoon creature because it seems pretty explicit that her behavior is like going up against the one law that exists when she actually gets what she wants the first thing she does is immediately go to the real world as soon as she gets to the real world she's she walks into that room and she's like oh my god there's so many men and they're all (laughs) real and i was like whoa i was like oh jack you didn't stand a chance buddy uh, and then she tells the the piano player, the singer, like, let's make love. And then they throw Jack out on the street. And then, like, from that point on, like, then the world starts glitching out. Then she wants the power spike. Then the re- the whole rest of the movie uh, unfolds from that point. So do you view it as this kind of, like, top-down view of bottling up sexuality? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I mean, because Holly is definitely the bad guy. But then I look at Lynette and like she's she's horny too. Like she, she keeps is. trying to trying to bang Frank. And but it's like it's like that uh the situation of like all women are either like Virgin Marys or like whores. Like, like that's like the only options that there is and with with holly i guess i like this is, it's hard to explain because it's definitely they're definitely making it seem like a woman taking control of her sexuality and going out after it is going to tear the fabric of reality like yep. that is a very very bad thing but at least through the years as as I've watched it, even though the movie is telling me that, I just don't, I, I guess I just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not hearing that at all. I'm like, look at Holly getting after it. Like, she's doing her thing. <laughs> and even if everybody has to, like, become a doodle, I'm cool with it. Because <laughs> she's going to be happy and she's going to get what she wants. Because my thing, and one thing that I like about the movie is, I mean, I like let women be villains, you know, like let them be selfish and have motives that only benefit them. And like, it doesn't like Holly doesn't really have any like redeemable qualities. And I like that for her. Like she just, she just wants to have everything. She just wants to feel everything and see everything. And I think that's good, but the movie does not think that's good (laughs) at all. (laughs) So yeah, I think you're definitely right. Like, the movie itself is not portraying in a positive way, but if you're like me, you can ignore all of that and still have Holly be a role model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I felt bad for her some yeah. of the time because I'm like, yeah, she me just too. wants to like live a real life, a real existence, like have meaning, have sex, have everything. But like I said, yeah. she's got no chill. She's got no brakes on that bus. And she, <laughs> no. as soon as she's unleashed, she's just like a rocket ship right towards what she wants. And I found it kind of interesting that her mission to go and get the power spike ended up just turning her back into a cartoon anyway. That, yes, yes. And that so part she's, is really weird, you know. So she's on top of the building and she like she feels like she's fully in power, I would say. Right. She's won Mm -hmm. at that point when she possesses the spike, but it just turns her back into a cartoon. It's turning all of Vegas into a cartoon. So it seems to be like undoing 
the reality that she wanted to be a One part thing. of. Yeah. And so I was trying to wrap my head around that in like, did is what she really wanted power and like dominion over her own story? Because mm. for at least through her introduction and up until the point where she becomes human, she is this object of sexual desire that Jack is focused on. And yeah. she weaponizes that in the way that she feels she can to get what she wants. But she's not really like manipulating all the the doodles in Cool World. She's really only using it to manipulate the humans as best she can. Yeah. So it is kind of like a redeeming story for her to finally have like her moment of power and her moment of realization that takes her away from just being this object of desire to a character that, like you said, like, although she's flawed, like she has her motivations and right. she is just dead set on achieving that. And it doesn't have to be the most complex, the most layered. She just has right, something yeah. that belongs to her at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah and that that that's the thing why like the fact that she turns back into regular doodle holly is i it's just unfair like she should turn into like a 30 foot tall human woman or something like you know so like if she's gonna become <laughs> fully powered she needs to like start smashing buildings not go back to being a doodle because that's like the whole thing she's trying to escape you know like I wanted more for her, especially better than ended up with like superhero Jack, who's annoying. Like I wanted to like have all the men that she wants to have. You know, I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> especially with the, I feel like they are they you know the foil of Lynette, like because she, she's such like a I guess like the perfect woman I guess because she's like super like she's sexy but she like knows to stay in her place and she knows like to stay at home and then she goes to work and she doesn't complain that Frank's always leaving and like she's just like the perfect little like I guess I ideal woman I guess in a male male fantasy so it makes like uh makes Holly seem like even more like evil and unhinged when that's the only other like female type character in the movie. <clears throat> that's true. She's like the polar opposite. And yeah. she's, she's that archetype from 1945, similar to Frank, exactly. where yeah. yeah, she's, she's got the job, but she's a waitress at a club and mm-hmm. she loves Frank unconditionally. And when he's had a bad day, he shows up and is like, you know, put your arm around me. I've had, a, I've had a tough day. And so like, she's there to comfort him. She's there to support him. She's there to love him. She's there to wait for him. Even when he's like, Nope, I got to put our life behind us in order to go back to the real world yeah, and yeah. handle this, you know, woman who's rampaging. So it's, yeah. it was very interesting that there's only those two women that are really yeah. in the story and one of the first times I think that we meet Jack in Cool World is he falls into the club and it's like just literally a pack of wolves. Yeah, it's all wolves out. and they're yeah. all just they're <laughs> yeah. all dancing in unison, just watching Holly dance. And I'm like, there's like some very suggestive 
deeper themes about like men's behavior, about women's behavior here. But it just feels like the movie never really stood a chance at trying to like make those types of social comments in a way that was ever going to be meaningful. And especially when you try to make it PG 13, like there's just, there was, it seemed like this was, this movie was just very ill-advised at the time. Like you can make this movie now and have so many different outlets for it that like, you don't need studio approval. You probably don't need $30 million to make something like this now and get away with it. And you have an audience that grew up with cartoons that still watches cartoons into adulthood. So I think, yeah, yeah, this is just in 1992. This is one of those movies. I think it was just way ahead of its time. And that's the thing. Yeah. The studio obviously didn't know what exactly they wanted to do with it, but it's like when you yeah. sink in thirty million dollars, like we got to release this thing, right? Because Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we only made fourteen back. Well, that's better than nothing. <laughs> nothing, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it is so ahead of its time, and I think, I mean, I really do think it it would be like it would stand a chance nowadays. Like, and I think the the deeper themes could be there because, like you said, like it's the you can see the the framework for the themes there. And but they just don't dig into it, like they don't flesh it out at all. They're just like, Yeah, Holly's a sex symbol and she wants more, and everybody looks at her and they want her, and that's about all we're going to give you. Like, and if she whatever she wants is bad for us, and we got to stop her. And it's like, There's not like Holly, Holly doesn't really get to explain herself. Well, well, like she explains a little bit, but she doesn't really get to pour out her heart you know it's just like because she's so on the hunt for <laughs> for some noise you know? so, <laughs> yeah they, they boil really it down it. to like hey she wants all these things because she's like horny whether it's horny, horny, yeah. horny for men or horny for life or just horny for yeah. excess like they yeah. they blame it very much on her just like having desire and like you said yeah. they don't give her space to really explain like why that's important and then when she first hits the real world she's like you know a child almost yeah, she just, she's in an adult body so yeah like it's mm-hmm. very very strange and i mean i wish this movie had been made like a couple of years ago because i think it would be significantly better and have more groundwork to pull from absolutely and it's yeah. a time where like you can actually have some of those decisions because they never explicitly give us anybody other than like the cop who has to enforce the law and the artist who desires Holly. So you don't Mm. really get any like framework for as to why Holly's desire is a bad thing other than they like tell us it's literally going to destroy the universe, but it's like, why? So exactly. It doesn't have space to breathe in that way. And I find it sad that, um, the director, Ralph Bakshi, he never directed no. another movie after Cool World. It's no. just one of those where it's like you made something bad, you cost us $15 million, and mm. he made a TV movie, and then he's done some shorts and some TV series. And I kind of want to watch this Spicy City from 1997 because that seems like it may oh, wow. be what Cool World could have been. It's yeah. animated. It's an anthology of sexy and risque animated stories in a futuristic city with a seamy side. So I love that. I love the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, and it's be- it's better rated 
So oh, okay, you know, six point six as opposed to what is this? Cool World has like a four. Yeah, I yeah. think it's like a yeah four. Four point eight <laughs> on IMDb. Ooh. Yeah, but that's a lot better than it's twenty eight on Metacritic. Oh, I know, and it's got like a four percent on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Oof, a four percent—that's that... mean. I think that's outrageous. But that I means it's time low. for Critics Corner. So we're gonna read through. <laughs> Some of these terrible reviews. Let's see. We've got the lowest is a 10. The highest is a 50. And I'll pick a couple in the middle. Mm. We're going to start with Brian Lowry from Variety. He gave it a 10. And he said that style has seldom pummeled substance as severely as in Cool World. A combination funhouse ride slash acid trip that will prove an ordeal for most visitors in the form of trial by animation. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's wrong, but I think 10 is kind of low. It is very acid trippy. It's very funhouse ride esque. Um, and it is a story where its style definitely overpowers its substance, but he didn't seem to have as much fun with it as we did. Yeah, that's what. That's what I was just thinking. Like a lot of these reviews, they say the bad what makes the movie bad, and it's like those are all the things that are good. That's like why it's a, it's a blast. I, you got you just don't like to have fun. I guess people don't like to have fun. People want to, no. you know, just put everybody back down. Don't mm-hmm. let anybody enjoy anything. No, it's, it's such a weird time to be consuming media. Oh, because yeah. on one side of the spectrum, everybody thinks everything that comes out is the greatest thing that's ever been made and on the other mm-hmm. side everything is crap and only stuff that existed in the past is good and i'm it's like good. why can't i just mm-hmm. like everything i see i see like 150 to 200 like new releases each year and realistically like there's wow. five ish that i'm like eh, didn't like that but for the mm-hmm. most part that's you know that's a 95 percent success rate and yes of course yeah. there's different shades of how much i like something but for the most part, there's very few films where I'm just like, oh, my God, that was like a waste of time to the point of where I feel the need to tell other people that this was a complete waste of time. My personality, my style always looks for the thing that's worth seeing rather than the thing that's worth making it uh, or rather than the thing that makes it unwatchable. I always yeah. want to look for the thing that makes it watchable. Right. Yeah. And like and like you said, like you either there's always like nowadays it's such an extreme like if, even if you're like that movie was fine like i liked it like it was cool people are like oh so you didn't like it it's like i just said that i liked it <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just not i'm not about to like be like it's the greatest movie ever it's number one of the year and like some movies can just be cool like i'm glad i watched it i'm i'm moving on with my life it doesn't mean anything bad you know and it can or you can have that reaction and it doesn't mean it's absolute trash it just means it's good <laughs> We're, we're, you know, it's serv- serviceable. I'm happy. You know? Yeah, but, I'm, I'm curious if that's more of a reflection of content or film that's coming out right now, TV that's coming mm-hmm. out right now, generally being not great. <laughs> to where? No, not to say, not to say that it's bad. Yeah, but no, I to get say you. that. Yeah, that 
we're we're seeing like nothing is really like spiking where it's like oh my god this was so amazing where everything yeah. is like yeah the 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 floor is much higher than it used to be so it's Absolutely. like something that's bad now is a lot better than something that was bad in 1992 right so i'm just mm-hmm. curious if it's more of that or more of the discussion around it because i don't even know how to talk about something that i've seen that somebody wants my opinion on like i had seen a movie and seth had asked me like what did you think and i was like i literally don't know how you want me to answer that question because if i tell you what i think it's going to tell you a lot about the movie so how detailed do you want me to be and he Mm -hmm. just said just give me like a simple whether or not you liked it and then my answer was like i honestly don't know I I didn't I didn't dislike it. I know that there was a lot of things it did that I found interesting, but I feel like it left me in a place where I wanted to see it again to know whether or not I really liked it. And so that's yeah. probably a positive, but that's a very like weird recommendation for a film. So I'm just like <laughs> yeah. I'm always like just see it for yourself and if you don't like it that's fine. My taste is not for everybody. I know that. And I don't want to dissuade somebody from seeing something just because Absolutely. I had a bad experience with it. I would prefer yeah. you go see it yourself and have a bad experience yourself so that it's your experience and not mine. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like when people ask me, Oh, how was that? I'm just like, I mean, I liked it or I didn't, or yeah, I'm just like, whatever. Like my thing is like, if you're asking me, that I guess that means you're interested go watch it like <laughs> it would be easier to just go watch it I let I mean I, let, I guess people have such like they're so precious with their time they don't have time to go and watch everything so that's why they're a little bit more like I need some information first but for me it's like if I have like even a, a teeny little drop of interest I'm just gonna watch it and not listen to what anybody has to say I'm just gonna see it for myself and then move on <laughs> go to the next thing I know it's so hard to even just avoid somebody saying anything about a movie. Uh, yeah. Right. Like before, before Mario came out, it was like, I can't believe Chris Pratt is Mario. This is so stupid. Why are they making yeah. this? Blah, 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 blah. And then people have seen it and been like, Hey, it's good. And it's like, yeah, yeah it probably is because they finally actually have like the animation budget to make it a Mario movie. And right. whether or not it's going to be amazing or not remains to be seen. I don't expect that of it. But no. if it's anything better than it being completely bad, then it's probably <laughs> perfectly enjoyable because exactly. you're going to watch a cartoon Mario movie. Like, what can you really expect out of it? Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the story is based on a guy that jumps sideways. Well, I mean, he eventually gets to 3D, but it's I was say, yeah. based on a guy <laughs> who's, a, who's a 2D platform puzzler. So, like, how yeah. how expansive can you really expect the world to be? Yeah, how complex can it get? And it's also, I mean, I, I hate to be like, like an old lady, like people always like, oh, you're so curmudgeon But like, it's also like social media just does not garner like level headedness. Like it's just, no. it doesn't, it doesn't want you to be reasonable. It wants you to be like outraged and pick a side. Like you must always pick a side. You can't be like in the middle because you're just going to get torn apart. Like. Anything that's just like middle ground, chill, they're like, no, that's not gonna, nobody's gonna, first of all, nobody's gonna see that and nobody cares. (laughs) Like, please pick a side. So people just like feel like they have, they have to start complaining or they have to start 
picking apart and making sure like everybody knows this thing is bad or they have to keep praising it to the point that it's overhyped and like now what do we do you know yeah it's a war between both sides and i mean i saw it with cocaine bear where i was like I was not mm-hmm. before the movie came out. I was not like, oh, my God, I'm so into cocaine bear. This is going to be my movie of the year. That was not me at all. But then I just <laughs> saw people coming out and being like, I can't believe this movie's getting made. It's so stupid. I can't yeah. believe this movie's named cocaine bear. We're running <laughs> out of ideas, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is one of the more original Hollywood ideas that we've seen in a while. Like, what do you actually want? And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be like the biggest defender of this movie that I can possibly be before I had even seen it. I'm just like, no, I want to stand up for Elizabeth Banks taking some creative chances. And so ultimately, like, is it a five star movie for me? Like, no, but I did enjoy it. And I'm happy to tell people to go watch it. And if you didn't like it, that's totally fine, too. But like the the dialogue around it just became this like toxic place before the movie even came out. Even it's came like, out, yeah. Like just let it's, the movie yeah. exist. And then if you don't want to see it, guess what? Don't see it. If you want to see it, see it. It's super easy. You don't have to just be like, hey, my identity is being a, an online asshole and that's what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And I see and I hate that. Like I don't I hate when the internet forces me to become a fan of something that I don't really care about. Just because <laughs> Just because you guys are being so mean, like you're being so mean and you have no reason to be this mean. You have no evidence. You haven't seen the movie. So now I have to like stand up for this movie and I don't even care about it. Like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like being put in that situation, but it's just like, I feel like now I like, you got to protect, like you got to be the voice that's like, no, this is good. Even though maybe you don't even believe it because that's the only way you'll get heard, you know? You can't just be like, Let, let's wait, guys. Like, nobody, you're just going to get trampled over if you're like, hold on. Like, you got to start yelling back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when mob mentality takes over, you got to be the loudest yeah. in the room or no one's listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, going back to the critics that decided to rip Cool World <laughs> a new one, uh, we had talked about kind of like what's happening in the foreground and in the background in a lot of these scenes. And so Jay Carr from the Boston Globe, this is from July 10th, 1992. This quote says, the only thing that keeps Cool World from imploding is that Bakshi turns into turns it into a series of animators riffs with little explosions of tune action erupting like video game novas in the foreground of the story that isn't happening. So mm. at least he saw that. Like, it's yeah. not just me. It's not just us where we're like, mm-hmm. why is why is any of this happening? Um, mm. He still gave it a 25, though. But at least he gave credit to the animators for having fun animating because how often are you going to get $30 million to make like a raunchy, adult-oriented uh, cartoon movie? Probably not yeah. very often. So good yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I read that the the animators like they didn't get a screenplay, so they were like ba- Bashki was like just make some stuff that you like, <laughs> just draw some things, and we'll just draw throw this it in little there. gremlin with like big nipples, so that like when he squeezes his chest, it like really turns into a large breast. That's so gross. And he's wearing a diaper, and he's missing teeth, and smoking, and all kinds of stuff. Yes. Have Have you seen Baby's Kids? Have you ever uh, seen that before? I haven't watched it, but I have seen like clips of it and people talked about it but i haven't actually like sat down and watched it because it came out the same year this did and that little that little baby with no teeth 
and and like the diaper and like the long claws or whatever it's very similar to a baby that is in baby's kid and he has like a deep voice and he wears like a big dirty diaper and he's like constantly like drinking his milk like it's a 40 so it, i just wonder <laughs> and they're both <laughs> and they're both by paramount as well so okay. i don't i wonder if there's like any like cross animation going on yeah, they're probably some of the same animators that work animators, in the yeah. uh, in the department for them. So they're like, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna recycle something." No, nobody saw Cool World, so yeah, well, let, exactly. let me bring this character over to something that people are actually gonna watch. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw Baby's Kids. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. Let's see. We've got, you know, I can't leave Roger Ebert out because yeah, we've got we go. so many people that are Ebert lovers in our film me club too. that. <laughs> We got to go to Roger. And he also gave it a 25. And he said, Cool World is a seriously troubled film. So ragged. I doubt if even the director can explain the storyline. And hey, you know what? That's probably true. Yeah, I don't know. It's very disjointed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But come on, Rog, you got to give it credit. Uh, But he didn't give it any credit, at least not in that particular review. And then let's see. We got one, one, two, three. We'll go Washington Post. Nice. Al Hinson. He gave it a 40. So this is the second highest score that it has on Metacritic. Technically, Bakshi's work is uneven. Some of the characters in his cool universe are hilarious, while others fall flat. So, okay, he's being nicer. He understands Mm -hmm. that there is some imbalance between the characters that work and the characters that don't. There's also a ton of characters in this because it has to populate the entire... Cool World Universe, which is like Vegas in hell on drugs. (laughs) So it's like all of the worst things that you would think of Las Vegas being like Sin City. Cool World is that place in the cartoon world. So all of the characters in it have to be these crazy characters. And one thing I wanted to say before I forget is as cool world or as like whatever it is like the volcano of cartoons is like spilling into the real vegas Mm -hmm. some of the human beings start to like glitch out and become yeah one of them i think they're playing roulette and it's a guy who's like wearing a bunch of chains he looks kind of sleazy and then he just turns into a lizard yeah (laughs) and it's like neither him nor anybody at the table playing roulette with him even cares he's a cartoon lizard now whatever and he glitches back to a normal person they just go on playing like nothing even (laughs) happened meanwhile like people are running around it's like oh my god i'm a wolf now and like you know the real bad stuff is happening and people are recognizing it but this guy and these people at this table were just like so locked in that yeah just like i thought he was a cartoon lizard the whole time i didn't even notice (laughs) <laughs> the same thing happens at the uh the slot machine like mm, one lady two ladies yeah yeah those two ladies like <laughs> one turns into something and then she's like what and then she turns it into like whatever <laughs> like we're both like weird creatures <laughs> i love that part i just love the absurdity it's so much yeah. fun <laughs> i mean and sometimes when you get locked in on those slot machines and like that's what oh, you do. when really? you're a slot jockey and you're just there <laughs> playing for hours trying to hit that jackpot you're just trying to like wear down the machine and hopefully like all right it's due it's due it's due so those ladies are there for the long haul like they've been there since the morning they've been drinking all day long yeah and so it's like whatever i'm a cartoon at least i can still pull this lever and like Mm. they're they're not really stopping to look at themselves either but 
that's at that's at a time where you still had like the pull lever on the slot machine. Yeah. It wasn't just a button. So they still had to do like the physical work of pulling that lever, but obviously right. they didn't care enough to notice that they were cartoons. No, they did not. They were trying to hit those numbers. I don't even know how slots work. <laughs> I didn't even know that they switched to buttons. Like I, my brain is still like old tiny crank. The last time I, I played a slot machine, like there's so many different complicated ones now, but it oh, was wow. like, oh, 10 cent minimum bet or something like that. But you put mm-hmm. in a dollar and then each time you spin, it's like you can place a hundred bets. So it's kind of oh, like a okay. it's like a bingo card sometimes where you push the button mm. and then if you get five across, five up, five down, five diagonal. Sometimes there's other bonuses. <laughs> sometimes there's other jackpots. Like, so it's really oh. just like like Candy Crush or any other of these games that are designed oh, okay. to just like really like hook your brain in and get you to stay there playing it. It's all mm-hmm. just like noise and light and sound, and right. you just you just tap it. It's not even like I think if your arm eventually fatigued from ching ching ching, you'd be like, okay, it's yeah. time to go home. I can't like physically pull the lever anymore. But now it's just like, no, I just yeah. keep putting money in and tapping this button, and just I'll have the waitress come and bring me penny drinks all day long, and we'll be good to go. Wow, I, when you talking about the characters, I don't want to forget like that that group that follows Holly. That is like. That for me is like wh- why that the movie like should have been R rated, I guess, because those characters are so weird. Like one, like the 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 lady one, I guess. Like she just is like she's like Holly's like she's super horny, but she just wants to kiss everybody. Like oh, everybody, yeah. like she keeps trying to chat everyone up and like put her lips on them. And then there's the other one that's like a blue guy. He's like a masochist or something. Like he's like he's like please he's like kill my eyeballs, just like take off my skin. <laughs> and then they like hit him in the head, and he's like he's like yes, you're right. I failed. I failed. <laughs> what what is going on with this? <laughs> this is like a bunch of fetishes that like PG thirteen, like thirteen year olds. I don't know if they're ready for this type of sexual education. <laughs> no, that was like. The animators watched all that stuff on like HBO during the 90s that they should. And it's oh, like they're yeah. watching like real oh, sex yeah. and taxi cab mm-hmm. confession. They're like, let's make a cartoon <laughs> out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Which would have been great, oh. but just don't put it in a PG 13 box. Exactly. I, I I understand, like, like you said, you gotta make your money, and you're not gonna make your money if you make it rated R. But Lord, I mean, this movie needed to be rated R so bad. Like, I I regret, I mean, I guess I, I don't have nothing to do with it, but I wish, I wish it was rated R so bad. I know they really could have had some fun with it. Yeah, I mean, what I've learned in that, like, in doing this show is that I want more access to, like, director's cuts of original Absolutely. stuff, like, yeah. because some of the stuff that gets talked about being like really bad it's like when i was talking to scott on tuesday like empire records had 40 minutes cut out of it and so it's like yeah when the movie feels rushed and it feels disjointed it's like well yeah because almost half of the movie isn't in it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, and same thing with this movie they took the movie from basti like he had a whole idea and then they were like no we're not doing that here's a new script you're gonna do this we want different actors like they just completely took it out of his hands so it's like that's why like I I am sad like he hasn't made another movie, and I understand because this probably was a terrible experience. But it's like it's not his fault that the movie ended up the way it did. Like he had like a really cool original idea, and the studio just chopped it up and made a mess. But like he he's still great. Like he knows what he's doing. But 
you know, when you have an experience that bad, I, I wouldn't go back either. <laughs> like, I'm not doing, you guys aren't going to, like, snatch my baby out of my hands and then mess up his face and stuff. Like, I'm not going to deal with that. I don't blame him. Yeah, was that his first? Was that his? No, he directed Fire and Ice in 83. Oh. But yeah, he did American Pop, the original Lord of the Rings yeah. in 1978, mm-hmm. Wizards. Like, so he was, like, big into the fantasy stuff in the 70s and 80s. And then, yeah, hits Cool World, and it's like this was such a bad experience on both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. So you took my movie from me, and it failed. So you're gonna and you're gonna then pin the tail on the donkey and say it's my fault. Like, ugh. exactly. No wonder he hasn't made another movie. But we got one more Entertainment Weekly review, and this is from Owen Gleiberman. He gave it a fifty, which is the highest one on the list. That helps bring that meta score up to twenty eight. <laughs> down from wherever it was before <laughs> and it says ralph bakshi's first feature in nearly a decade we would like to be a down and dirty who framed roger rabbit but bakshi isn't up to the task so he mm. still gave it a 50 and he can see what yeah. they're going for he's like we wanted it to be this dirtier grimier hornier version of who framed roger rabbit but wasn't quite able to get there and you know bakshi's not the one to blame for the entirety of this mess yeah so it's unfortunate that he had to be the one uh to take it on the chin there but he did do last days of coney island short in 2015 so he's he's worked recently and so he's still out there if you want to check out his work Uh, but yeah he directed like fritz the cat so i think that was it was the 70s yeah yeah so he's he's got a long other stuff, but I want to watch it. He's got a long, distinguished career. Uh, yeah. Spicy Spicy City. He did a couple episodes of, as we mentioned, in '97. I don't even know where I could find that, but if you're listening to this and you're interested, look for Spicy City because it sounds very much like what Cool World uh, yeah. wants to be. But at the end of the show, I always ask my guests. If you have not seen Cool World, what do you think is a good comparison film that would maybe get somebody to take the leap to watch Cool World? And if you have seen Cool World, well, it's just a and or if you have seen Cool World and you want to make a recommendation based on Cool World, what would that movie be? So if you haven't seen it, I mean, because I mean, like, a, like a lot of the reviews say, it's a, it's a, like a raunchy Roger Rabbit. So that I mean, that does kind of set it up. One person, one review I read said that it's like Roger Corman does Roger Rabbit, which <laughs> they said that negatively. But I was like, I like Roger. I like Roger Corman movies, yeah. so I think that's like cool. Uh, matching those together, like if that sounds cool to you, I think you'll like uh, Cool World. But <clears throat> man, if you have seen it. I don't. I really can't think of anything. I'm always bad at this, like trying, to, like trying, like getting put on the spot and trying to remember every movie that would feel similar. 
This is where Letterbox comes in handy, even though I'm yeah, not good about you. it at all. I was about to say seven. <laughs> I, just, like, <laughs> I don't know why, I'm, but I think because I saw Cool World and Seven around the same time, and I and I was just like, yeah, like, and they both have Brad Pitt in it, and that's why I watched it on film. I just want to see more of this guy, but like, they're both like gross and gritty and like you know evil. <laughs> Hey, that's an interesting one. When I yeah. when I talked to IO and we did the Wild Wild West episode, he recommended Schindler's List, and I said, "What? <laughs> the, uh, I don't know how that would be connected at all." But like, hey, if if you see that there's some value jumping from Wild Wild West to Schindler's List, then uh, I mean, those are basically like movies on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, but hey. You know, that's fine. Yeah, it's like, hey, you just watch something terrible, watch something good. And yeah, that's true. But a movie that I saw later in life as an adult is The Haunted World of El Super Bisto. It's a Rob Zombie animated movie. Oh, okay. and I was like, I gotta check this out. And it reminds me very much of Cool World in its. Mm sense of humor in its animation style it doesn't cross over with the real world but it is like grimy and gross and dark and sexual in its way too and it's about a luchador who i guess he's not a luchador anymore but he investigates nazi zombies and his partner is like a one-eyed stripper who kind of looks like um l from kill bill when she gets her eye taken oh, okay. out. Yeah. Uh, so if you like Cool World, check out El Super Bisto. It's a better movie, but also probably only slightly. It doesn't have good reviews okay. either. So it is what it Never is. Heard of it. <laughs> that sounds funny. I love Rob Yeah, 2000, 2009. So I don't know if I was like just kicking my way through like the Rob Zombie mm-hmm. catalog at that point, or I don't remember how I came across it exactly. So. It's an interesting one, though, especially if you like Cool World. I think you'll see a lot of the connective tissue between the two of those. Okay, yeah. I would just like that one. But we've come to the end of the show. It's a pretty brisk. We've done about 90 minutes or so. Pretty good. Um, you know, we don't have to make it, like, long-winded. We can just have fun at 90 minutes and not make yeah. it, you know, this this big ordeal. Uh but at the end of the show, after we get into our recommendations, I want to give you the chance to talk about anything you got coming up. I know you had mentioned wanting to get a podcast rolling with your mom, which is an idea that I love. It's something that I wish I had done with my mom when she was still alive because she's the one who kind of like curated my movie selection as a kid. So where are you yeah, with that? that? Well, yeah. Um I'm, well, we're still working on it. I'm still working on a on a title, <laughs> um, but actually doing this has helped out a lot because I because you know I don't know anything about the podcasting world or I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts. But I don't know like how it works, and so doing this is actually really helpful. And so yeah, we're just going to the 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 idea is, and like you said, like. My mom is also the reason, like, I watch movies. Like, she 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 curated all the films for me. Like, only reason I know about Cool World is because of her, you know? So uh, I feel like if I'm going to talk about movies with anybody, I would want to talk to the person that 
taught me how to understand them. And specifically, we feel like there's a lack of like black women talking about movies like that that don't like that like you'll hear black people talk about movies that have black people in them, but like even still, there's not a lot of black people talking about this movies in general, and even less so black women talking about movies. So that's what we want to focus on with uh, you know black women in film and us having opinions on films that we do with people think we don't but we we're paying attention too so <laughs> that's what that's the idea for the podcast but we're still working on it we're gonna things will be happening soon though so stay tuned for that good i'm glad to hear it and when you get it ironed out obviously you know a lot of us that all have different shows mm-hmm. um just let us know about it if you have questions on how to get started or you know what you need equipment wise or any tips like that you've got a lot of people that are willing to help and have experience so don't be shy to take advantage of that i will be using you guys (laughs) yeah of course you know i i want to help as much as i can so that's why we got the film club started in the first place not necessarily to be like a hub for other people podcasting but you know i'm I'm glad to see everybody pursuing their own uh creative avenues and I'm glad to be of assistance if you need it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you again so much for your time, especially like middle of the day on a Thursday. <laughs> I was cool. able to find tickets to a 350 or so movie for me. So that's like a couple hours of a thousand and one. So, oh, nice. I'm so I'm, gonna, I'm about to get <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna go check that out because yeah. there was like twenty something movies that came out last week, and I was having a hard mm-hmm. time like nailing down which one it was that I was gonna like endorse and be like, look, if you have to just like pick one this week, and then I ended up picking that one. So I'm glad that you saw it. I'm glad that you liked it, and I'm gonna go mm-hmm. check that out uh, a little bit later this afternoon. I'll let this uh, cloud recording convert to mp3 or whatever it does and it'll take okay. a little while so so sorry when you pick uh you said there's 20 releases is that just theaters or are you talking about like stream it's too? it's both so when i do the oh, release okay. radar at the end of the week it's like everything that's going to wide release uh then there's like a limited release section and then everything that right. hits uh streaming and video on demand so but only movies it's like because if i were to get into like shows and anthology series and stuff like that it it's already too much work and you know i spend way too much time doing that and not doing other things so i'm like Mm -hmm. oh man i gotta watch all these trailers i gotta write down all the details for everything i have to have an opinion on all of these trailers it's too much but i'm trying i'm trying to stay consistent yeah i know who are you like you're some type of you're some type of droid not a droid I know, and then I'm developing other shows in the I background know, I as you, well. I heard you say that on the last episode that you like you're working on more stuff, and I'm like, oh, there's only 24 hours in a day. I know, and but I and I sleep through a lot of those hours too. So <laughs> I know I'm like, oh man, I wish I could like be that person that I get up at six and I go to bed at ten and I have all that. Yeah. Time, but I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm. I'm going to bed at midnight and waking up at like whenever my dog gets me out of bed and then we'll get wow. the rolling from that point on. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, more power to you. You're you're a great example. You're a, you're a beacon of hope. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. And 
again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you. I know, I know we coordinated on short notice, but it gave me a really good excuse to watch a movie like cool world that I haven't seen in forever and just yes. come home at night after a long day and just put on a movie that's just completely wild and wacky and sexual yeah. and disjointed. And it's so many things rolled up into one. It's like, you really can't explain what it is unless you've seen it. And I would say just don't let the reviews or the scores dissuade you from no. watching <clears throat> something that's just completely unique and weird. Absolutely. And if and just as a tip, if you want to, if you can find like the soundtrack, because it is hard to find or the score, you want to just feel like the baddest of them all. You want to be the coolest person around town. You just put that on and it changes your whole mood. <laughs> and and if you want, you can play in the background, the scene when they first see Holly in the club and she's dancing and she's going hard. Like that is motivation <laughs> for me. Like I, I look at that and I'm like, I can do anything. <laughs> so if you want to be cool, you got to, you got to listen to the cool world. <laughs> I really believe that. You heard it here first folks. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Really. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. I'm going to take it easy and then I'm going to go catch that movie. All right. All right. Cool. Have a good one. Well, we'll talk soon. Thanks Cosmo. All right. Bye. Thank you once again to Cosmo for taking a trip down memory lane with me and sharing her love of Cool World with us. Make sure you keep an eye out for her show coming up soon. And my sincerest thanks to all of you who took the time to listen to this episode. I know your time is valuable and you have a lot of options when it comes to your podcast. So if you spent that time with us, I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can reach me at nick at the or you can reach out to me at bad movies we love on Twitter for the time being, and that's bad movies we love with a LUV. This show is an extension of the and the podcast is recorded, edited, mixed, produced right here in the home studio by yours truly. So until next time, stay safe, be well, and have fun no matter how you get your movies.